If you seek first the kingdom, if you seek first the wisdom, if you seek first the understanding, then these other things will be added. You've looked for provision, but you haven't had vision. That's what I want to get you straight on. You're trying to do like my grandmother would say, Daryl, stop trying to put the cart before the horse. You're looking for resources, but you haven't gotten focused on the source. That's what I want to help you with. You might have many resources, but there's one source. There's one source. Oh, you better believe it. There's one source. I want to show you your divine birthright. You have a divine birthright. Success is not just a bar. It's not something that, you know, this is some uh, amorphous word that we throw out that somehow means that you did something throughout your life. It's your birthright. You were called to be great. You were called to move mountains. You were called to shake things up. You're watching Daryl J. Bennett Live. I'm so excited to be with you. And I can't wait to help you live a higher, more prosperous, more powerful, and more purpose-filled life. Let me tell you about myself. I'm Daryl J. Bennett. I wrote my first book at 18 years old. I started my first company at 21, and I graduated from Harvard Law School at 24. I know how to help people move into another stratosphere of destiny to operate at a higher level. And that's what I'm here to help you do. I'm Daryl J. Bennett on Daryl J. Bennett Live. You don't want to miss this. Your life is never going to be the same again. I want to start by saying that for a lot of us, we've got to move resistance before we talk about accelerating, you know, the, the gas, so to speak, in our life. You know, have you ever been in a car and you had the emergency brake on and you knew it because even when you put the, the, the pedal even down to the metal, you heard the roar of the engine, but it didn't move anywhere or it just lurched. So the problem wasn't that you weren't hitting the pedal. It wasn't that you didn't know where the pedal was. It wasn't that there was a problem with the pedal system in the car. The problem was you have resistance. You have massive resistance. You had a brake that was, you know, if you had one of the old cars like my mom had when I was growing up with the old the, the stick, you know, you you pull that thing up. I, I would wonder if you pull it hard enough to put the whole thing just come off. That's what it would feel like. But that one pedal, that one brake, that emergency brake, could stop everything that the car was doing. And I want you to kind of have that in the back of your mind as we talk today. Do you have an emergency break in your life that's that's uh, minimizing, that's um, stopping all of the things that you're trying to do to move forward? Let me say it differently because I, I didn't quite say that as eloquently as I wanted. Do you have an emergency break on in your life and it's working against all of the things that you're doing consciously, all of the conscious things that you're doing, where you're you're reading the right things and you're watching the right things and you have the right confession. And then you still feel like I haven't gone far. I've come to submit to you today. You might have the emergency break on and I want to show you how you can get it off. I want to show you how you can get it off. The first way that you can get it off is, is recognize that it's there to recognize that um, I once heard it put this way, uh, God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. <laughs> you know, away with this thinking that you've got to somehow uh, fight to receive goodness. You know, that you, you gotta, you, you've got to fight and struggle and stress and strain. We were never created for that. We were never created for that. Excuse me, phone didn't ring past two hours. Now I get focused on what I'm doing here. Phone ringing. Give me a second. Let me, let me, let me, let me hang up on the whole thing. 
because I got to stay focused on my assignment. That's 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 a that's another thing. I don't want to go down a rabbit trail, but that's another thing. But some of you, you you're so easily distracted. You're so easily distracted. You set a goal. You had a goal. You know, you're, you're January. You all about the goal. That's all anybody's hearing you talk about your vision board and all the stuff you're doing. And by February, huh? What goal? What? Because something came in the way. I want to show you in real time what I just did with that phone is what you need to do with some of the distractions in your life, some of the things that keep popping up. They keep popping up. Do you notice that every time you say to yourself, you're going to do something different? Every time you decide to yourself, you know what? I'm going to finish. I'm, you know what? I'm getting the, I'm going to finish that degree. Every time you decide, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start the business. I'm going to do it. This is not in the perfect time. Do you notice then? That's when the call comes. That's when the distraction comes. That's when stuff happens that didn't happen before. Don't think it's strange. I want to show you in real time how to deal with things that are trying to divert you off of your path. You ignore it. So one of the things that I said on Monday that I want to bring back to you to submit to you on Saturday, because I do remember this, and this is why I really wanted to get on Monday. I, I talked about how when you complain and you backbite and you have all these negative things to say about people, it stops your cash flow. How you feel about people, how you feel about life, how you feel about your finances is how things are going to flow into your life. It may seem, it may seem really small what I'm about to say, but it's really big if you get this. I never met a wealthy person who has a lot, a big problem with road rage. Just think about that for a second. Don't get mad. Just think about it for a second. And people that do have a big problem with road rage, you know what I hear what they do? They hire drivers. They get somebody. Okay, maybe that sounds more uppity than with hire drivers. They could, they'll, they will spend the money for an Uber or get on a bus rather than put themselves in a situation where every light, every car that comes by, they complain that they got something to say about it. That's stopping your cash flow. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm giving you the, the, the scenario of the person in the car driving. But how many times in life do you keep getting involved in disputes? This is one of the things I had to learn. I spent like 10 years of my life involved in constant disputes. And I realized and I recognized, oh, this is affecting everything else. I don't know if I gave this analogy on, on Monday. Bear with me if I if I did in another place some other time, but I want to give it again. Uh, my brother does carpentry. My father does carpentry. And I remember I went into one of the homes that they were working on. And I can't remember it was my, my brother or my father, but they, ex they explained to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you see the leak coming down here, but the source of it is up here. We went to a whole other floor and they pointed something else out. So I, I, I saw it one place coming out, but the cause of it was somewhere else. And I know it might seem a little bit weird, like, Daryl, you, you're talking about emergency brakes, right? You're talking about people who have road rage in the car. What does this have to do with my mindset around money? What does this have to do about my finances? It has to do everything with it. Because if you do it somewhere, you'll do it everywhere. If you if if you practice, I want to turn this into a positive. If you practice gratitude everywhere, you'll practice it everywhere. I'm just so grateful to have a car. I'm grateful to be able to get cut off because there's a lot of people that don't even have a car to get cut off. If they had a car, they couldn't get in it to operate for themselves because of health issues. 
I'm so grateful and blessed and happy to be able to have my own car. I'm so blessed and happy and grateful to be able to even be able to, to drive the car. I'm so blessed and honored to be able to even hear the fact that somebody's blowing at you. Think about how your life would be differently if you did that. I'm, I, I heard a man once say, and this changed my mindset about things. I heard this man once say he was dealing with homelessness at the time. He said, I see everybody every Friday rushing to get somewhere. And I just once I was I had somewhere to be. That's what he said. So, so yeah, I get it. You're in the car, you're upset, you're angry, the traffic isn't moving quick, and dag on it with all these other people and da-da-da and this, this, and that, but you got somewhere to be. And as I have mentors in my life that work with me around changing my attitude about things, and it's a, it's a daily process with me, y'all. It's a daily process. I came to recognize this, this is this is affecting everything else. And so one of the things that I really help people do, so let me get to how I help people, mentorship money mindset. This I do a whole program around this. It's, it's a mentorship program, but it's mentorship money mindset. What, what do I mean? Well, if you let me guide you along the way, because I got the blueprint, I know how to do it. If, if you let me guide you along the way, the mentorship, I'm going to show you a different way of, of, of shifting your mind. I'm going to show you a different way of thinking. I'm going to show you a different way of thinking, of talking to yourself first and talking to other people, of operating, of communicating, of asking questions, of asking questions. You don't ask enough questions. That's why you don't get that's why you don't get answers. Let me tell you something about people who are always accruing wealth, people like us. Let me tell you something. We're always asking questions. Poverty mindset has a closed mind, always has an answer. What's not going to happen and this and this that, and that as Wealthy people ask, asking how, how do we make it happen? How do we do it? How do we do it? Okay, so it hasn't been done before. All right, I get it. I understand that. But I don't want to talk about the history. I want to talk about the destiny. How do we get there? And then we, then, 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 right? If you seek first the kingdom, if you seek first the wisdom, if you seek first the understanding, then these other things will be added. You've looked for provision, but you haven't had vision. That's what I want to get you straight on. You're trying to do like my grandmother would say, Daryl, stop trying to put the cart before the horse. You're looking for resources, but you haven't gotten focused on the source. That's what I want to help you with. You might have many resources, but there's one source. There's one source. Oh, you better believe it. There's one source. I want to show you your divine birthright. You have a divine birthright. Success is not just a bar. It's not something that, you know, this is some uh, amorphous word that we throw out that somehow means that you did something throughout your life. It's your birthright. You were called to be great. You were called to move mountains. You were called to shake things up. You were called to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, to the thinking of this world, but to be transformed. That's what I want to help you do. I want to help you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what I had to do. I had to be transformed. I had to be transformed out of the life that I was born to into the life that I was destined to. That's the journey I'm on. I'm on the intentional journey. I was born into one life, but it was another life I'm destined to. That's you. That's you. The question is, do you know the difference between where you were born and where you're destined? And are you actively moving along in that pathway? I want to help you think at a different level. You want to know something? I'm, and I don't usually say these words, but I'm going to say these words because this is, this, is, this is how it came to me. And I can't take credit for it any other way. The Holy Spirit spoke these words to me. I don't use this often, but listen to me on this. The Holy Spirit spoke these words to me. 
and I heard it so deeply in my spirit, in the depths of my spirit. It was like a year and a half ago. And this is what I heard. Daryl, there is never a poverty of resources. It's a poverty of thought. And when I heard it at first, I wasn't trying to hear that. I wasn't trying to hear that. I wasn't trying to hear that. No, no, because I need the resources. I need the money. <laughs> I need the money. I don't need another lesson. I don't need another memory. I need the money. I just need the blessing. I need the bless. Lord, let there be a, I need a blessing. What's the prayer, Jay Baz? Enlarge my territory. See that? Because I thought that way then. I didn't recognize that the territory had nothing to do with outwardly. It was all inwardly. It was all inwardly. And because his inward territory was enlarged, his outward realm expanded as a result. I didn't, I didn't know that then. I didn't know that I wasn't on that then. So, so, so my focus wasn't on, it wasn't about the thinking. I needed the money. <laughs> I, needed, I needed the money. Remember the, remember the, what's that? What's that? Uh, what's that y'all, that commercial? I need, I need my money and I need it now. JG Wentworth. <laughs> I need my money and I need it now. I need it. Have you ever been there? where somebody wanted to give you a lesson and you didn't want to hear it. You weren't trying to hear that. You ain't got, go somewhere with that. Anybody got time for that? But you, but but that's, I'm trying to give you the context of when I received this. This wasn't a high moment in my life. I heard it so deeply. I heard it so deeply. There's never a poverty of resources. There was a poverty of thinking. Now I was in the midst of doing some other things at the time. And I already told you, I wasn't trying to hear it. And I was frustrated. And when the word came, I, wasn't, I really wasn't trying to hear it. So I couldn't even digest it then. But I treasured the words. And later as I began to think, and, and I really thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> it really is true. And I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you right now on this slide. Have you ever told your problem to somebody and they told you, they gave you one thing, they, one thing? Maybe it was like, oh, have you called this person? Or have you thought about this? Maybe they didn't even direct you to do something. They just asked one question and it changed your whole thinking around it. It changed your whole thinking around it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it a natural problem, but let's make it a natural problem. If you were sitting next to Bill Gates, Elon Musk, or Barack Obama, one of those people, do, do you think it would still be a problem for you? <laughs> do, do you think somebody could think their way through it and say, you know what, how about do it this, 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 and this way? So when I started thinking about it that way, I said, ooh. And then I had another epiphany. We always talk about the love of God and the love of God is powerful. And we need to talk more about the love of God because we wouldn't have a lot of this stuff going on. But then I thought about this. I said, what about the mind of God? Think about that. Think about the mind that created all this the mind of the universal intelligence. Just, just go with me for a second. The mind that, that put the cosmos into place, that put the foundations of the earth into place so that the water, I mean, even with all the stuff that's going on with the earth and the tectonic place, the water stays within certain boundaries. The same universal mind that created the cosmos created the house cat. Like, think about that. Knows the number of hairs on you and I's head and has the plan for everything. Like, imagine that mind just for a second. Just just go with me for a second. Imagine that mind. If you could tap into that mind, how would your life look differently? I'm not talking religion now. 
I'm not talking even a, a Bible. I want to get you past that. I want to get you past that. I'm talking word now. I'm talking the living word. How would your life look different? Like for real, if you were able to tap into that, it's a word for it. It's called super consciousness. I wasn't up on that then. I didn't know that's what it was because I heard a consciousness. I heard a subconsciousness. Hadn't heard of super consciousness. It's a scientific concept. It means it's a mind that knows everything that ever was, ever will be, everything that's ever been created is already there. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me put it to you this way. When I heard this, this messed me up. Y'all it's Saturday, so I could flow. I know I gave him 15 minutes on Monday, but let me flow a little bit. This messed me up, y'all, when I heard this. Somebody said, Daryl, when was electricity uh, invented? Um, I don't know, 1800s, 1900s. You know, I'm kind of thinking through my Rolodex. What would you say? I mean, I, I don't know. I came up with it. With and he said, it's always been here. <laughs> it's always been here. It just took people a while to figure it out. That messed me up. That messed me up because I was trying to go to Google. Like in the middle of what he was saying, I was trying to get to Google. Like, wait a minute. Yeah, where, you know, when did it electricity get invented but he was trying to put me on another wavelength that it was always there the, the ability to communicate was it was it it was always there the electricity the ability to communicate wirelessly was always there we just tapped into it recently but it was here when the romans were here think about that imagine tapping into that mind that's what i that's that's what I'm learning to do now. I'm telling you, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm on the process of this. Trust me, I'm on the process of this. But this is how you see me succeed the way that I succeed. Now, when I start, to, when I think about prayer, it's not so much this religious experience that's just emotional and it just stays in the emotions. No, 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 no. I'm trying to, I need to tap into that, that mind, that mind that knows every, everything, everything. Everything. Think about that. How would your life be different if you tapped into that? I don't know why I feel led to say this to somebody. Meditation is your key. Once I started getting more into this, and it's 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 my spiritual father who spoke with me about it. <laughs> like I, I know in the beginning, you're thinking about Eastern religions. You think about that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about at the very basis. You know, meditation, all it means is to remember. I think every day you need to spend some time. Well, you're already meditating. <laughs> you already meditate. Problem is you're probably meditating on the wrong things. And that's stopping your cash flow. So I want you to get intentional about what you're meditating about. I want you to get intentional about what you're meditating about. What are you meditating about? The thing that keeps running through your head. You've been meditating. I met somebody say, I really don't pray. No, you pray. You just don't know you're praying. Because <laughs> what you're uttering deeply in your heart, consistently over and over and over and over, it's a prayer. It's a prayer. That's why we learned in law school when we when we address the judge, it's a it's a prayer for relief. That's the words we use. It's a prayer. It's not a religious context. It's something deeply uttered to a higher authority. That's what you're doing. I want you, this is what I help people do. When I work with people through my mentorship program, I'm helping them think about differently what you're already thinking about. Just, just think about that differently. I help people repent for real. Do you know what repent means? It's metanoia. It means to rethink. Think about that again. Have you rethought that? Have you rethought that? We always think about repent as a negative thing. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. 
Repent doesn't necessarily mean I did something wrong. It just means I think about it differently. So you did it right the way you knew to do it right, but now you think it differently. Have you have you thought about that? I mean, how many times before in your life has something happened and you 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 did it the way you knew to do it, and then you thought about it, you thought about it, you thought about it, and you said, you know what? I don't think about it that way anymore. Metanoia. I'm gonna tell you how powerful metanoia is. Do you know in the entire scripture there's only one man that's called unholy? There's only one man that's called unholy. Entire scripture. Now, now we can extrapolate and say this man was unholy, that man was unholy. I'm giving you only one person that scripture says he's unholy. And if and if it's somebody else, I encourage you to to write me, email me, tell me, Daryl, you got it wrong. But I don't think I'm wrong on this one. It's one person. And that person is Esau. The writer of Hebrews says, don't be profane like Esau. Don't be obscene. Another translation says like Esau. Don't be unholy. Another translation says, don't be unholy like Esau. I'm like, Esau of all the people, of all the people that we can mention. Wait a minute. All the people. Wait a minute. Hold up. Not, not, not Jezebel, who had dogs chasing that folk. Well, excuse me, I don't know if she had dogs eating, but she had dogs eating up after her, after all the stuff she did. Not the guy, Manasseh, who was the king who had his children passing through the fire, which was a nice way of saying that he was sacrificing his own children to a fire god and he was supposed to be the king of Israel. Yeah. None, none of them, not Pharaoh, who went after God's people after all that, all that, and you still going after God's people with chariots? No, 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 Esau. I want you to read it for yourself. But the writer tells us that Esau was profane. Another translation already said was unholy. Another translation says obscene, who sold, who, who, who for a morsel of soup, a morsel of soup, another place says stew. Stew sold his birthright. That's deep. Think about that. That's the only person in all of scripture. Can you imagine that? Of all of humanity, all of humanity, that the one person that gets called out for being for being unholy is Esau. That rubbed my spirit <laughs> so the wrong way when I read that. It did the first time I read it. Because that ain't right. That ain't right. Not all the people that, no, because according to my human understanding, not all the people that we read in the scripture and all stuff, Really? But let me, let me, let's go further. The writer says, the writer tells us, who through tears sought the inheritance, but never repented. One day, I'm gonna do a whole series on the Esau epidemic. I'm telling you, I'm gonna do a whole series. This ain't the time, this ain't the place. But what I just shared with you, if you get this in your spirit, it'll change everything. It'll change everything for you. It's that deep. And, and it hit me that deeply. Think about that. The one man called unholy was the one who was, who was in line to be given the birthright that Christ would come through. He, he was the one in line for that. And he gave the whole thing up for Stu. And what we're told about him is, we knew that he did that already. We knew he did that because we read it in Genesis. But what the writer of Hebrews is, is adds an addendum. 
for all of us who, who read the story and was like, God really gonna bless Jacob? Jacob? Jacob who bested him in the field to get the stew and then kind of deceived his father a little bit in cahoots with his mother to snatch the blessing up from under him and God's cool with that? But the writer of Hebrews gives us context. I'm helping somebody today. I'm helping you today. This is going to change your whole life if you get this the way that I received it. The context was that he lived his whole life and never came to Metanoia. He never came to Metanoia. Give me five more minutes and I'm done. I'm going to connect the whole thing to money, mentorship, and mindset. I'm going to connect the whole thing. This is the deep thing about the whole situation. Esau is not the representation of just a person. It's the representation of a people. Remember, the, remember, remember God himself said, Jacob, I love it. Esau, I hate it. And people have a problem dealing with that because what does that mean? God hate people. It's a mindset, y'all. Don't you see what I'm getting at? It's an Esau mindset that refuses to repent, will come with tears, will come with words, will come with excuses, but refuses to repent. You know the Midrash? The Midrash which gives us some narratives about some of the characters in the Bible after the Bible, kind of after the story goes away, so to speak. You know, I'm one of those people when I finish watching a movie now, I'm going to Google. I'm trying to figure out what happened. I'm on their Instagram because I'm just I'm staying around, lingering around the scene. So the writer of Hebrews is kind of like me. He's like, he's a Google man. He wants to know more. He's lingering around the scene and he's pulling from the Midrash that tells us that toward the end of Esau's life, still he was trying to find a way to get the inheritance. That after Esau was dead, he had made amends with Jacob. Jacob had made a, been made a great nation that toward the end of his life, he died a broken man. Think about it. He was still trying to get the inheritance that he believed rightfully was his. The writer of Hebrews says, the problem is, though he, and we know he saw it, he sought the inheritance. He didn't just seek it before. He continued to seek it. The, the writer's telling us this. He sought the inheritance, y'all, but he never came to rethinking. How many people? The they got the government is the problem. The white man's the problem. Their husband is the problem. Their children are the problem. They got all of these things to point to, but they never came to a rethinking. They'll cry on a dime. They're manipulative emotionally. They've got all these reasons for why they have not succeeded, but they refuse to rethink their life and they think they have a money problem. I'm here to say you got a mindset problem. It's not a poverty of, of resources. It's a poverty. It's a poverty of thinking. You've probably cleared 250, 500,000. You may have cleared a million dollars. You're listening to me right now over your life. You think about all the money you've touched, all the money you've touched. All the money you touch. If you had better wisdom, think about it. You'd be further along. So I'm telling you, you would be. So Esau is a thinking. It's a thinking that I'm going to still go after it with the old thinking. I'm going to still go after a new thing. I'm going after new wine with old wineskins. That's an Esau thinking. It's Esau. Wonder, it was said, Jacob, I love Esau. I hate it for the record. For the record, Jacob never stole his birthright. He Esau gave that away, which is why the writer of Hebrews, some 4,000 years later, or however many at that point, about 3,000 years later, was still ticked off about that. He bypassed everybody else 
through 50 some books in scripture and, and, and brought us all the way back to the beginning and says, let me, let me tell you about Esau who gave the whole thing up for stew because he was hungry. So no, Jacob didn't steal nothing from him. Not the birthright, he gave that away. And the blessing was connected to the birthright. So the blessing was already gonna go to Esau, Jacob anyway. That was another thing I had to come to recognize. The blessing was always gonna follow the person that had the birthright. That was, that. remember I said in the beginning, you have a divine birthright. You have a divine birthright. The problem is you're seeking the blessing, but you don't know the birthright. That's, that right there, I came all the way to tell somebody that, and I didn't even know I was gonna go there. I've never even put, I've never even said it quite like that before. But I never, but I, but I hadn't thought about it like that, right? I'm, I'm, I'm metanoying even as I'm talking to you. Because which of us haven't been there, myself included? We've sought the blessing and not the birthright. And we've gotten them confused. Because we think the birthright is the blessing. But the birthright is the responsibility. Jacob, I loved. Esau, I hated. Esau didn't want the responsibility. He didn't want the responsibility. He didn't want that. He didn't want that. He didn't want it. He did want the blessing, though. He didn't he did want the blessing. He didn't want the private jets. <laughs> he didn't want the yachts. He didn't want to do what he needed to do to get it. He didn't, he didn't want to, I'm going to go somewhere. He didn't, he didn't want to do his work. He wanted to, well, God will do it. <laughs> Let me leave that alone. So as I come to a close, what do I help people do? I help you think differently about your mind. I'm telling you. I wish above all, I, I would, that you would get understanding. I don't want you to be unawares. I don't want you to be conformed to the pattern of this world. This world ain't got nothing for you. I'm telling you, it don't have nothing for you. I'm telling you. I'm even learning and growing. Year, year and a half ago, some of the stock market. I don't talk about none of that no more. I have divested from the world markets. I've divested from all that. I created my own economy. I'm telling you, I've, I've, I've divested from a lot of that. It doesn't mean I don't have a little bit of stuff here, a little bit of stuff there. I live differently. You live off of efforting. I live off of ease. I live in the garden. There's a garden. There's a garden. Man was always meant to be in the garden. Can I talk about your spiritual birthright before I get off? You were meant to live in the garden. Where the water came from where? The water just came from, it was a mist that water that, that it came up from the ground. Man wasn't toiling. Man was working, but man was not toiling. There's a difference. There's a difference. The enemy has got you toiling. The enemy has gotten you working for money. I never say that. You'll never hear me say I'm working for money. How am I work for money if I'm working for God? Didn't scripture say you cannot, you can't have two masters because either you'll love one and hate the other or you will hate one and love the other. But you're working for money because you are working for money. But I want to get you off of that treadmill. Why don't you work for God? Why don't you seek first the kingdom of heaven and watch the blessings come into your life? Why don't you seek first the birthright and then you'll get the blessings instead of trying to just get the blessings and forsaking the birthright? There's an assignment over your life. And so part of your frustration is that you're not moving in your assignment. I had a teacher, I'll never forget her, Miss Clark. I love, I will love Miss Clark 
to the day I go on to see Jesus because Miss Clark was hilarious. Miss Clark was probably about 4'11", frizzy hair. Nice, she had these nice gold frame glasses. And Miss Clark would say, and I can't forget her because she had the same name as my mother, Clark, but without the E. And she would say, I was in seventh grade at the time. This was her favorite line. And you know, I have to remember it. If now I'm 37 years old and I'm repeating something to you that she would say in seventh grade, she would say, I'm going to get you because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. She would always say that, I'm going to get you because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I always see that in my mind when I think about our assignment. There's an assignment over your life. And no, I don't think God's going to get you, but life going to get you. Pain will push you until your vision pulls you. I had to experience that. I don't want you. To, I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want that to happen to you. 